Hey, Trails Collective World, Ian here, uh, bringing you the Trails Collective Live episode for February 27th, 2023. Uh, sorry for a slight delay there. Um, pretty much each week, unless I'm on the road, I'll bring you live from the Finger Lakes Running Company or the shop um, and uh, got there and realized the power cord wasn't there. So tonight's episode will be streaming live from uh, from my bedroom. So that's how we're rolling. Um so um, this uh, typically uh, each week, uh, we will, or I'll try to bring you uh, some voices and stories from the trail running world and focused uh, predominantly in the Northeast. Uh, as I said before, I feel like uh, sometimes the Northeast gets a little bit of shade in the larger media space where there's some uh, pretty awesome events and individuals and entities that comprise a pretty wonderful community. Um, and so it's been the hope to uh, bring some of those voices and entities uh, together. Um, so that's what we've tried to do. Uh, during COVID, we spun a little bit more into the FKT scene where events weren't going. Um, I brought you some of our root sessions to start the, uh, the year last year. Uh, and uh, right now, life is just busy. Um, I was on the road for the, a couple of days uh, we had, I coach as well. It's one of my hats. I did think of college coach, the women's, uh, uh, help coach the distance women's, uh, women's distance uh, program up there. Uh, we had a conference meet this past weekend. Uh, so just getting back, juggling three kids, the shop. And so it goes for most of us and including our guests tonight. I know they wear multiple hats and are typically all over the place, uh, in some cases. Uh, so, uh, I appreciate all of your time. Uh, if you're joining us here live, uh, if you're joining the episode after the fact, whether on YouTube or as a podcast, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for any of you who share the episodes uh, in your own uh, communities or support the Trails Collective in uh, some way. I really appreciate it. Uh, so uh, this this past week or the past couple of weeks, uh, one of the events that uh, isn't uh, in the trail space uh, is one that's caught my attention and uh, inspiration for uh, the past few years. Uh, it was actually uh, Michael Wardy and one of our guests, I think, that first put it on my uh, radar in 2017. And I'll mention that uh, here in the intro. Uh, but in this case, it's the World Marathon Challenge. Uh, seven marathons, seven days, uh, uh, seven continents uh, in seven days. Uh, it just seems like this just kind of like dreamy epic uh, of an adventure. Uh, so uh, this week, I didn't get a chance to really dive into FKTs and some of the other results that were out there in the uh, trail space or events that are uh, coming up. Um, but hopefully we can, uh, I don't know, bring some uh, cool stories uh, from what was a pretty amazing adventure. So I am going to, and if you're uh, tuning in live, uh, particularly on the Trails Collective's YouTube uh, page, feel free to drop any comments into the box for any of the uh, guests uh, and even if you're listening to it uh, not live, uh, you can still drop them in there and occasionally we'll uh, we'll get them after the fact. All right. So I am going to weave in our guests for uh, tonight. And what we are what I'm going to try to do here is we will um, dig into the uh, World Marathon uh, Challenge here uh, with Michael and Deirdre and uh, David. And we'll talk about that for, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes or so. And then I may hang on to uh, Kilgore. Uh, he's got a lot going in the trail space as well with Kilgore Racing uh, and the on-running community. And maybe we'll chat on that for a little bit before closing out the uh, episode. Uh, so uh, let me introduce, uh, for those of you not already familiar with some of the individuals on, uh, Michael Wardian is coming to us from Arlington, Virginia. 
Uh, he's consistently demonstrated the ability to run repeated hard marathons in consistently fast fashion. On uh, 2022, he ran uh, coast to coast over 3,200 miles in 59 days, averaging 52 miles per day. Uh, he once held the world record for pushing a jog stroller in a marathon, uh, the record for a 200-meter indoor track marathon, as well as a treadmill marathon. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I'm going to say he's actually more the marathon man here if we're allowed to infringe on a, maybe a, a trademark uh, name there. Um and he's uh, works. Uh, I don't know whether whether it's by day or by night as an international uh, shipbroker. Uh, he's run 168 official road marathon races, at least according to one site I was checking out. A PR of 200 or two hours 17 minutes, as well as having 137 races and 85 trophies under his ultra sign up profile, uh, including not necessarily flat road marathons uh, such as Hard Rock. So, Michael, thanks for being on. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was on with yeah, Gene Dykes, and he said I haven't, I have no, uh, no DNFs either, which is not true. So maybe, maybe not all the facts are true, but hopefully some of them are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming nobody's checking those facts. It just, you know, however, whatever number you put on it, it's, uh, it's quite a few. Um, and maybe they're just tossing out the DNFs. And at some point, hopefully, you'll be, uh, you'll be as fast as, as Gene Dykes. Um, you'll get there in your dude. He's your awesome. Way. Yeah, man. It was a really fun conversation. It, it like, he's so competitive. It was really, really good, really good time to talk to him. He was still, still mad that when we raced head to head, he was in the bathroom. So he didn't have a fair shake to beat me. That's fair. Maybe when he turns 90, <laughs> you'll have a, uh, a second opportunity. And <laughs> I don't know what, I don't remember what his age grade times would be, uh, in terms of you kind of, you know, what worth you put into that. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's what we were gonna do. We were both in the same half marathon, and he was he was saying he was gonna age grade it. So yeah, I mean, it, straight up, I I think I got a, a a few years on him, uh, but I think age graded, uh, he would he would be pretty strong, hard hard to beat. I think if anybody's listening live out there, if you want uh, something to do for me in the moment, <laughs> I think what is his is he two. 56 was his record a couple of years ago or something like that. It, it's got to uh, be up there. Yeah. And he probably ran a hundred miler like the week before. So like, or maybe he, even he's definitely a man after point. my own heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah. Is, he yeah, was, yeah. He was, he was throwing a little shame my way saying I haven't done any 200 milers yet. So um, That's good. I, get, I yeah, guess, I guess I got to step up my game. In some ways. Yeah, you do. But he's also, yeah. <laughs> all right, we could go on a whole, uh, Gene, if you're, I don't know, should, I'll just weave you in. Maybe I'll bring you and Michael in to, to hash things out. Uh, it'd be great to have you back on, Gene. So if anybody's listening live, look up Gene Dyke's uh, PR, what year he said it, and what the age grade equivalent would be for a marathon, uh, and let us know what that would be. And you can drop it into the uh, YouTube uh, comment thread. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre Keen, uh, looking at a, coming to us from, uh, I think it's Riverdale. Are you in the Bronx, Deirdre? Yes, I am, Ian. Uh, born and raised Bronx girl. Right on. Uh, when I first, um, I think I was driving uh, while looking up results, and then uh, while I was looking at the results, also texting uh, Kilgore to see whether he could, uh, whether he was in contact with you to see whether you'd be interested in joining. And so I didn't get a chance to see where you're from. So I'm stoked that it just happens that uh, you are also uh, from New York uh, since we make it a beast coast episode. You could have been coming in from someplace where you're like your, where your marathon PR, which I'll mention here in a second came from like Dallas, but no, you're from New York. 
Oh, um, and that was a that could could just be on my end. And again, I'm working now on a home internet. So that but that was a, a little static. You're broken up your I couldn't hear your response there, your comment. Um so it, those listening, let me know too. If this audio is 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 crap, I'll have to figure that out because again, I'm trying to uh make do here what I'm working on. So but uh, Deirdre coming in with us, at least when I looked at the site, uh, 36 official marathon finishes under a belt, uh, maybe a handful of ultras in the mix as well. Uh, PR of 308 uh, coming to us from Dallas. And for the uh, marathon challenge, she traded the continental wins, but uh, came down with best average combined time of 349. And as we mentioned, is from the Bronx. And you're a nurse practitioner who also is just uh, working on her finished MBA program. I just uh, finished my job as a nurse practitioner this last week, um, and I'm starting healthcare consulting next week at McKinsey. So it's, oh, it's wow. been a big start to the year. Yeah, to say the least. I guess that was good, maybe good timing there as well in terms of uh, throwing this adventure in as a uh, in the transition window. Absolutely, I knew I had to maintain my current job in case I required health insurance. <laughs> So did not want to be between jobs in case that came to be a problem. That's fair. If you got eaten by an or a, a Yeti in uh, Antarctica on, on day one, uh, health insurance would have been applicable. Um, all right. Uh, David Kilgore, um, the uh, men's win with a combined uh, average of 256, which if memory is serving, is nine minutes slower than Wardian's uh, combined time at both of his wins. So, um, dude, that's like, um, well, we'll blame it on Antarctica. All right, maybe we'll talk about the, the conditions there. Um, and all right, Gene Dykes, uh, Nicholas, thanks for uh, weighing in there with a the comment. Uh, Gene was a 254.23 at age 70, 70 years old. All right, so now the run, look at the age-graded standards, uh, Nicholas, and tell us what that 254 would be for an age grade. Um, Kilgore, come in if that's for whatever accuracy of this site was. Coming to us with 24 official road marathons with a PR of 227. Is that the, is that the road marathon PR? Also 10 minutes slower than uh, Wardians, but we'll we'll take you, I guess. Um, I also haven't seen your your beard as capable of Wardians yet, um, but it's still in pretty good, good fashion. Um, in addition to 51 ultra sign-up trail ultra finishes, including 27 trophies, I do believe your ratio of wins to ultra sign-up finishes is better than Wardian. So, so I think that you're you're taking that category. Uh, living in New York, well, living in New York City when you're not globe trotting, uh, it seems to be you are all over the place uh, these days. Uh, it covers marketing and team management for on running. Uh, he has a budding event company, Kilgore Racing, now into, I believe, your second year, right? That's last year's first official? Yes, sir. Year yeah. number two. And is a member of the Cinematographers Guild. You still doing that uh, by trade? Dude, yeah. Every every now and then. Um, it's it's hardly ever now, but every now and then uh, if, uh, if I have a day and it, it completely aligns, I, I jump in for a day of day playing every now and then. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to do. Cool. Uh, and you're originally from Florida, but you've been kind of New York City based on an offer a bit now. Yeah, man. So I've been up here now for about seven, seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into some and hopefully this can just be kind of a fun general discussion. 
if any of you have had some pretty just cool, fun experiences or uh, cool stories that you want to mention from the World Marathon Challenge, just feel free to just just skip anything that I bring up. You can just pretend like I just didn't even answer a question and you can just be like and just kind of move on to something you'd rather talk about rather than that topic. Um, and feel free to dig into uh, relating to any of your your co-finishers here as well. And again, if uh, any of you are listening live, uh, feel free to uh, drop some questions or comments in there if you want us to go in a certain direction and we'll try to uh, head there. Uh, Nicholas, thanks for weighing in. Age graded 209. Ooh, Wardian's not touching that. You're going to have to. Well, Dude, when I'm 70, I will crush that. You may crush that <laughs> when you're 70. Uh, yeah, that's, yep, yeah, you do have the longevity. Um, all right. So, uh, Wardian, for me, you were the first to put these, uh, the event on my radar in 2017. I think at the time I wasn't aware it was an official event production. I think you and I had connected a little bit. I think I'd reached out to you early on, seeing if you'd be interested in getting into the Cayuga Trails mix. So I think we already had a, uh, an open yeah. thread there. Um, and I thought just knowing your history and the fact that you like to just kind of do some, what seemed just like wacky stuff um, that this was just something you were just kind of pulling off or coming up with on your own. I didn't, didn't realize that it started as an official thing in 2015 and was like a formal event production. Uh, but with you having a couple under your belt, uh, can you lay out for those maybe not necessarily familiar what the, what the challenge is, is all about and what it consists of? Uh, yeah, I can definitely do that. And uh, David and Deirdre can correct me when I stray off the, 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 yeah, the right, answer but uh the, the way i understand it is you get seven days so i think it's 168 hours to do seven marathons on all seven continents uh when i did it the first time we started um everyone kind of gathers at whatever not antarctica point but close to antarctica so the first time i did it was in punta arenas the second time i did it was kind of where david and deirdre started which was cape town which is definitely a lot cooler than Punta Arena. So like it's, it's a much nice, nicer place to hang out for a couple of days. Uh, there's a lot more to Cape town and you can go up on table mountain and get a good view of the area and uh, good food and all that kind of stuff. Um, you fly over to Antarctica, you look for a weather window. Uh, so it's like, it's going to start February, I don't know, second or something. And uh, they look and see if the weather's good fly over, you run the race as fast as you can, get back on the airplane and fly back to Cape Town. Uh, and then from Cape Town, I think it's kind of similar. I think their route was a little different. We went Cape Town, you run another marathon and it's actually pretty tricky. And I think David and Deidre handled this really well because you go from running in like negative 30, negative 40 degree temperature to the next day running in like 90 degree heat. And you're like, 12 hours later, you got to like make that switch and your body's like jacked up from, uh, the travel. And it's also the second day. And so like, I was really impressed with how they did, uh, with that. And then you have a big long haul flight to Perth. Um, you get out of the plane there and it looked like the same course that I ran. It's just like this really sweet, uh, running club and Perth puts it on. They have like a barbecue and stuff and you just run up and down on a bike trail uh, from there you fly to Dubai, you get smacked with the heat again, but it looked like you guys ran at night, which was nicer than when we got there. We got a little delayed at the airport. So started at like seven or eight in the morning, which made for a really crappy, uh, marathon. 
and then from there, we flew to Madrid and ran on a racetrack, like an F1 track, which was really hilly. Um, and then from there, we flew to uh, Chile. Um, and then from Chile, we finished in Miami. So that was kind of the second route I did. The first time it was Punta Arenas, uh, Antarctica, Antarctica, Punta Arenas, Miami, Madrid, Morocco, Dubai, and then we finished in Sydney the first time. So the route changes a little bit uh, depending on you know which places uh, are easier and like how Richard feels really. Like Richard's like the the master puppeteer, and so like whatever you decide kind of goes, and uh, you just kind of roll with it, and uh, they just they just make it happen. And it's not you. It what's you think like oh you're gonna have this like really world uh, traveling experience, and you really do. You get to see a lot of things, but most of the time you're either running, sleeping, or eating, and uh, you're just kind of going through airports and customs and. Um, it's, it's like a mobile stage race uh, and you just have to get prepared to run the next day. And uh, what's cool is you get to see everybody like really pushing themselves. Like that was my favorite experience is like, I mean, David and Deidre are at the front end, but like the people at the back end, they're the ones who are doing so much work. Cause you know, we're done in two and a half, three, maybe four hours. They're out there like seven hours like barely making the cutoff i think like this this time it looked like there was one guy that was like consistently doing like he was an older guy too like not as fast as gene but like he was a badass like he was out there six seven eight hours each time so like that's a lot of time to be running and then you know trying to recover and you know that means david's getting six five or six hours more recovery time than the next guy you know so um yeah and it was it was cool to see and like it was awesome to see like David get faster each, each race. Like it was cool. Like I was like, Oh man, he's going to get my record. Like for sure. Like he looked really strong and, and I feel like you kind of get in the rhythm and you figure it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, one, one bad slip up. Like you were talking about stories. Like the first time I did it, I tried to lose my passport with one race to go. So like I had to like run through the airport, like OJ or like whoever that like, you know, old, football player was that was like running through the stadium to go back to like pick up stuff. And I'm sure like these guys had like stories like that, you know, someone lost their bag or didn't get their food or they got something confiscated. And it's like all those little things, like one little mistake and you know, you're out of the race. Uh, we lost you Ian. Oh dude. Yeah. You're muted. Devang, thanks for weighing in there with a the comment. We'll definitely um, plug that in. Um, just because you and some of the things I kind of had for talking points, maybe we'll skip to one of them because you just um, mentioned it. And this is something that you can each weigh in on. Uh, Michael, is one of the things is it's like this this epic uh, idea. And it is of uh, I'm going to switch rooms, be closer to my router here. So the um, uh, you're hitting all of these continents, but it's in this like press fashion um and you're like kind of skipping through these like continents or countries or whatever so um maybe each of you even if we end up skipping around a little bit here in terms of the order of the experience maybe just kind it's of like a blair which on that like kind of 
you have this vision of going to these places, but you end up getting just like this skim coat. And I mean, was that still okay? Do you feel like you got to experience some of, you got to experience Brazil, you got to experience uh, still the culture there? Or was it really like, I don't know, man, I was, I was, I saw a out and back course for like five miles and then I was back on a plane and like, that was my experience. Dude, none of the courses are five miles. They're like two miles. <laughs> All right. Well, even better then. Yeah. It's just like a hundred out and backs. So it's basically like, yeah, you, you don't really see anything when you're running. Like sometimes in Cape Town, I'm not sure how far they went this time, but you get to see a little of the the town. But most of the time you're running in a really restricted area and you're just doing out and backs. And it's just to make the distance. And it's so, I mean, you're – and it makes sense because they're a small team and like they basically set an aid station up at one end, an aid station up at the other end, and you just run back and forth between them. Uh, and it works out great. You loop around, you know, Paul, like Richard's brother, and he counts the laps and then you give him a high five and then you go back and do it again and you high five everyone else. So I love that aspect of it because you get to see everybody struggling. You get to cheer for everybody. Um, you get the chance to be a part of it, you know, like, if if it was a longer route, like no one would see David or Deirdre, they would just be gone. And then they'd be like, oh, hey, what's up at the finish line? You know, so like the chance to really bond with everybody while you're out there is great. I like that part of it. Oh, Ian, you're, you're, muted, again. you're muted again. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so used to having a headset on me every time. All right, I'll get this <laughs> rookie. Um uh, all right. So for you guys, for Deirdre and David, and you can circle back to it too, but uh, this being your first time through, do you feel like you had at least the opportunity to experience some of the places and cultures or was it just literally like off the plane, seeing a two mile course and I'm back on a plane? I wouldn't say we got to experience too much of the culture, but we did get to meet a lot of cool people. Um, typically at each location, we partnered with a running club or a triathlon club. So we got to talk to members who were part of those clubs. And I know for Cape Town, I don't know if it's the same for you, Mike, um, You every leader had their own cyclist. So it was just great talking to my guy who was from Cape Town for the three plus hours about his life, uh, what some of his athletic goals are. And as for views, like Mike is spot on. It was a lot of outbacks, a lot of loops. Madrid was 32 loops. But a lot of the places you still got great views, like Dubai, we saw the skyline of Church Khalifa. Perth, you got to see the skyline light up at night. And then um, in Cape Town, we got, I think it's called Lion's Head Mountain. And Antarctica is obviously Antarctica. So we, we saw what was there. Uh, so not necessarily experiencing the culture, but you still got some good components of meeting people and some nice views for our out and back. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with both what DJ and Mike are saying that, I mean, I do think we got like a little flavor of culture in each spot. Uh, but I think mainly it was uh, kind of really enjoying like the, the ambiance and the vibe of all the other competitors in the race. And then also got like a flash of like, especially with ours. Um, I don't know if it's the same with Mike, but we got like, I think in Madrid as well, some of like the local run club people came out to like do a couple laps um, and mm -hmm. like cheer on um like you said in cape town had some bikers which was like super exciting and i think the local news that like, came by too was like running with some people uh which was like fun and exciting uh, but then um i think lucky enough too like mike said uh we were done a little bit earlier 
so a few times I feel like there was like, yeah, like a splash of culture. Like uh, I went with a few of the other competitors. Like we were in this like little like cobble village uh, in Madrid and we had like some dinner afterwards uh, and it felt like, felt like Europe. Uh, when we were in uh, Dubai, they were like, everybody was in like their, their traditional dress, um, even like the young kids. And there was like, uh, like the prayer music during sunset over, uh, over like the skyline of like the Burj Khalifa. Um, Antarctica was like, the weather was like insanely gnarly. So I feel like it was like a true Antarctic experience. So I feel like each spot had a, had a nice little flavor where it kind of like felt like you fell asleep in your friend's car on the way to like a, a new route. And then you like woke up and you're like, wow, I'm in a, I'm in a new culture, even though we were like, kind of like in our own uh, separate little area of doing like a bunch of these laps uh, together. So, I mean, I guess it's, that makes for kind of like a, a mixed experience. I mean, it's a big price tag, right? I mean, it's like a, I think I just looked it up and maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not. I don't really know how it goes, but like the, like a $42,000 price tag, which, I mean, there's a lot of logistics. I mean, that plane in and out of Antarctica and getting on that and the amount of probably med, medical and lodging and all that really like adds up. But it seems like for like half that, you could have like, I don't know, hopped on a regular flight and spent, a I don't know, a few days in like each of these play places and, and really immerse. So is it, I mean, for each, each of you, it's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it was still a pretty cool epic experience. I mean, would there be any, like, I don't know, maybe I do that again or uh, maybe next time, I don't know, like I want to dig into Dubai or I want to. I maybe don't want to be in that weather in Antarctica for maybe like a week or whatever, but I mean there could have been a different experience of those places um, for the amount of logistic and the amount of cost. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it, I think it adds a layer um, just like of excitement to it all to do this like extreme challenge while also like visiting all these places. And, um, and also it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like in really incredibly epic to be able to kind of like travel around the world um, with a set group of people taking on this challenge together. So I feel like it's, kind of depending on like what your flavor is, if you want to like go somewhere and like, I would say travel and explore that certain area a bit deeper, then yeah, probably go that route. But um, I feel like this was almost like marathoning, like airplane camp with a bunch of adults. Um, and you like take this on with wanting to experience some of the culture, which I think we got like a little taste of, but also I feel like the main thing is like going after this challenge and um, kind of like getting to that finish line with this, this group of people. And I think that's, what's so exciting about it all. Yeah, and I would also chime in like it's it's it actually like I thought the same thing. I was like, dude, that's crazy money. But then if you just try to go to Antarctica by yourself, like like it's like twenty five thousand dollars or more. So like it's not it's not that crazy, and that's for one flight to Antarctica, and maybe you yeah, like and you're not gonna be able to do seven marathons in seven days you know what i mean so like th that was the the draw to me i actually heard about it from richard when i was doing the north pole marathon so like like i was already in an extreme place and then he told me about this thing and i was like oh i want to do that and then he told me how much it costs and i was like okay i'll do that like four years later when i figure out how to pay for it right so like um yeah, I, I, I think the best part about it is it's like a, it's like a stage race that moves around the world and you get to like hang out with these cool people and watch them just become something that they're not sure that they can be like that's the coolest part to me is like to watch them overcome 
their fears and like challenge themselves in a way that most of them have never done before. Like a lot of these people, like Deidre and and David are like at the very sharp end, but most of the people are just regular people that are trying to like have a really unique, empowering experience and like getting to see them do that and break through is just super cool. And I, I think being not professional or elite on any level, I, I can speak to that feeling. Um, for me, it was just, can I do that, do this? Is this physically possible? And being surrounded with this group of people, I think we pushed ourselves and each other to the best we could possibly perform. So I don't know if you'd be able to do that on your own. I definitely wouldn't have hit those my times and I don't think I would have had the same fun experience. Half of it's the relationships you make with these people. Like they're so like-minded that they want to challenge themselves to push their bodies as far as they think they can go. And also are quite oddly, like very laid back. You, when you sign up for this, you realize that everything else is out of your control besides your attempt at running 26.2 miles each day. And, and so there, and Deidre, I was able to just um, um, scan a couple of your more recent like Facebook posts, just as I, it was, it's nice to see when you guys just post on the event and just to, um, you had uh, a couple of posts just relaying kind of the magnitude of the build up for you and the amount of people uh, that supported you. And, and so for as much of an, uh, epic experience this is and how uh, the commitment that it takes in terms of resources and time and to kind of honor it and to be prepped. I mean, somebody like Wardian may eat kind of seven marathons for breakfast, like, like on a like daily basis or whatever. Um, Kilgore, like you're quick and you've done quite a bit of ultras, but I don't know about like seven marathons, seven days and like all under three hours. And then for Deidre, uh, in terms of just the commitment and the buildup for you, uh, kind of, I think it was in the context of running 10 miles to work, 10 miles back from work, putting in 20 miles days to get prepped for this and given your background of maybe um, a marathon a month for like a few months straight. I mean, this was still like a huge buildup. Can you kind of talk a bit about um, some of the differences there, like whether it re- would have required something different for you, Michael, outside of what you already do. And then Deidre, for you, um, just kind of the commitment it took to feel like you were ready to kind of fight this off. Oh, thanks, Mike. Um, definitely, it's a lot to juggle. And that's what I tell people now when they ask me about it, I a full-time job. Uh, I work 12-hour shifts in the hospital three to four days a week. And in addition to that, I was getting my MBA. So I had to get very clever where I could squeeze the miles in. I would try to make running part of my commute. But when you're working school and running, you're just so much prone to injury. Um, I'd never been injured until last November during the New York City Marathon. I pulled my hamstring. And then as a result, got runner's knee. And now more recently, it's been my hip. It's just, it's a lot to juggle at once. Um, and you have to really know that you want it. Uh, there's a lot of sacrifices that you need to make, like your personal life, say goodbye to your friendships for a year or two, or try to squeeze them in whenever possible. It's just not as straightforward when you have a work schedule and other commitments outside of this. Like, I don't know how the people on the trip who are parents did this. because A lot of people have very high stress jobs and they're parents to multiple children. I, 
can imagine they great family support, but it's just a very time consuming commitment to prepare for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of those same uh, issues with, you know, working a full time job and all that, but I did the same thing. I would make it part of my commute. And then I just, you know, prepared by running a lot of marathons. Like that's what I did. <laughs> I just I, the year before I did it in 2017, I ran all the world marathon majors. Um, and in between those, I was doing like 50 Ks, 100 Ks. And, um, you know, I race like up to 50 times a year, a lot of times. Uh, last year when I ran across the country, I did not. But um, most years I'm running like 40 to 50 times uh, during the course of the year. So just using those to get ready um, and then trying to be fast and just be as prepared as possible. Um, and then I have experience with stage racing. So like making sure that like, you know, how to recover between them is, is really the key to being able to do a good time, which I was really impressed. Like David did such a good job of like getting ready and just getting out there and cracking after it one after the other. And David, how about for you? I mean, was it, uh, do you feel like it was something that you have the baseline fitness and just the kind of mental and emotional flexibility to just kind of pull off or kind of wing it? I mean, you're a pretty exceptional athlete, have been since you've been on my radar since the, uh, I think the first uh, gash photo at uh, Manitou's or, or whatever. I mean, you're, you're quick and you got the wheels and you're tough. And did you have to do anything really kind of exceptional or do you just like, I don't know, I, I'm just going to take this on and we're just going to do it. Oh, uh, yeah, man, for sure. And yeah, Mike, much appreciated, man. And uh, definitely shout out to Mike as well. Uh, he, he was open the whole time. I feel like me going into this um, to be a line of, of contact and to, to give a ton of advice. So it was really awesome for, for him to do that as well. And um, kind of the same as you, Ian. The first time I really saw this, I think was in 2017 or 2019 when you first did it, Mike, um, or maybe it was the second time. And uh, yeah, just like really fired me up to, to try to get to this uh event one day um but yeah Ian kind of I would say a mixture I feel like most of my training is kind of um like borderline like marathon training which I do almost like consistently all all year round um and then kind of depending on what what races I'm doing or what races are coming up because I feel like I do like a wide range of eclectic of races throughout the year I kind of like taper down a few weeks um heading into it but with this one it was something um that I really wanted to do because it was a new challenge on the docket and um, so I, I usually kind of go into a lot of these races with not a ton of expectation. Um, of course, I, I want to do well, but going in to be like, hey, I'm going to be really flexible because this is a kind of a new uncharted territory. Like I've done a few stage races over the years, but they've mostly been like three or four days, uh, nothing seven days with this much travel. Um, so just kind of really had, I would say, like a strong baseline of fitness, um, but then also was just coming into it and being like, hey. I'm going to be super flexible on how this goes and kind of just go with the flow and um, see, see where I end up. And you mentioned Deidre, you mentioned in terms of the, your buildup and training, the, uh, and was just the amount of just other stressors in life, uh, the cumulative effect and the kind of injury uh, potential and not being uh, injured prior. Uh, Michael, you commented on just the necessity of having to have like the recovery uh, dialed in. Um, can you each talk about 
kind of, I guess, managing. I mean, because I, mean, I can only imagine the the exhaustion on three fronts. You have the just the physical exhaustion of the seven uh, in a row, especially when you're doing it at high ends for uh, each of you uh, for the wins. You've got the just the the mental toll of being uh, in a whole different space and prep or just thinking about having to do it the next day and just the emotional toll in there as well. I mean, is there, uh, Michael, I think you're, you're probably as, as, seen, as seasoned as anybody at, at this point, but kind of anything that seemed to either uh, work well in terms of the prep phase or that you found yourself drawing on uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, just damage control, I think during the event and things that have really become uh, critical for just mitigating that breakdown and kind of getting up for the next day. Yeah. I mean, I think for me and you guys can probably talk to this too, Deidre and David, like after the first day, you kind of know if you're going to win or not. I mean, like David, I'm pretty sure like you knew after the first day, like no one's going to beat you. So like, <clears throat> then the, then the, the matter is like, you just have to get yourself fired up. Right. So like on my first trip, like I would like, Ryan Hall was part of that first group. And I was like, dude hasn't run in like a year, but like he can still, <laughs> still whoop my butt, you know? So like we went out and we were like, yeah, let's run together. And then like 400 meters in, I was like 30 seconds ahead of him. And I was like, okay, I'm going to win. Um, but like, you still have to like run the race. Like, you know, the number one seed probably going to win in the NCAA tournament, but you can still lose to the 16th seed if you're stupid. So like uh, I, you know, went out and I just made sure I just do the same stuff. I always do, you know, I take my goose every four miles. I, you know, make sure I put my lube on and, you know, you just set yourself up for success. And I think David and Deidre probably did the same thing. You know, it's like, all right, I'm not going to eat the crazy, you know, falafel wrap in Dubai, I'm going to, you know, have some rice and like be disciplined. And like, I want the stupid Dubai hummus that's supposedly the best in the world, but I'm not going to do that because I want to win the race. And so like, you have to be super disciplined. You have to do the right things. And then you put yourself in a good position to, to win. And so that's, that's what you got to do when you're racing. Like you, you put yourself in the best possible position and then you execute. And so that's what I tried to do. And, um, you know, I knew that I was trying to set like the, the fastest time and, um, and, and that's what I tried to do both times. And I'm sure that's what these guys were trying. I mean, Dave was, I hope trying to beat my record. Like I, we had talked about it. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it, it became super tough after the first day when he got crap weather in Antarctica, that's just like unlucky. Like if he would have got better weather, he probably would have had it cause he ran really well. Um, but that's just, you know, part of the, the deal, you know, it's just unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, you just want to show up and, and then you, it, it's not hard to follow. Like, that's the nice thing about it being like a two mile loop. Like there's no chance to get lost after you've run it like three times. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you're not going to get off course. Um, you, you just, it's like running on the track. Like, you know what your splits are going to be between the two markers after you've done it three times. You're like, okay, I should be four minutes or I should be 10 minutes or whatever. And then you just shut your mind down and you just do what you need to do. And you just turn yourself into a robot for the next, um, 
however long it is. And then you, you get done with that. And then you start the recovery process and you do that six times, seven times, and then you're done. But like, you can't mess up. You can't, you can't, you know, forget to tape your feet. You can't forget to put your lube on. You can't forget to, you know, eat your goose. You can't forget to do the things that you need to do. In David's case, he's got to drink some Red Bulls. You know, you, you got to do the, you got to do the stuff, but then, you know, if you do that, you should be fine. Yeah, I agree with, I agree with uh, everything that Mike says. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I think each day, like once you finish, uh, yeah, you can kind of gauge it out. Like, especially after the first one to be like, Hey, like clearly there, there might be like some discrepancy of like being out front or, or not. And, but I think it's still in the back of your head. You're like, Hey, like I'm here to, to show up each day and perform. Um, so I have to do, do the things that I usually do to, to get back to the starting line and feel good and get to that finish line. Cause no matter what, like, yeah, you're still running a marathon or you're still running. Yeah. Pretty dang far. And if you, yeah, if you, if you're not doing some of those things, you just have like the, yeah, the opportunity to, to fail and to, to fall or to, to whatever, not, not run as, uh, uh, as up to par as you want to. So, um, so yeah, I think each, each day after, after everything, you're just kind of like going back into the set of things, especially like refueling and making sure to get the right foods at the airports and, um, things along those lines to, to set up for the next day. But I think it was like all a process yet, yeah, like each day, I think there's like a little window, um, um, like I was saying earlier to kind of be like, okay, like just finished the race. There's like a little bit of time to relax. Uh, but then after that, it was just like game on again, getting back onto the, the airplane, uh, getting stuff set up and then kind of cruising with everybody else. I wish I was as sensible as you too. Uh, I think I went in definitely not ever thinking I would win it. I was very worried about finishing it. When I won Antarctica, I thought it was an absolute fluke. Um, and then the next day in Cape Town, when I started running and the cyclist came up to me, I'd never been a lead runner before. I didn't know who this person was. And it took me a minute to connect the dots. But as the week went on, for me, because I'm not um, as wonderful as these winners are, I was never in the bag. I was never sure if I would win towards the end. So I had to kind of keep my mindset like Deirdre, if you lose the W, like this is not what you came here for. You came to partake in this. You came to challenge yourself to be the best you can be. So when another female started like absolutely crushing it day four on, I was like, just let her have it. It's do the best you can, but you're only really competing against yourself. Um, that was my mindset. And so I, I chugged the Guinness after every marathon, <laughs> trying not to take myself too seriously. But I also do agree there's a certain level of prep. Like, yes, I'll drink my Guinness, but... I am 100% gliding before I go out there. My compression socks are on. I have my goose ready. Like I want to set myself up for success. So you touched on a little bit of uh, gear there with just the compression socks. And we talked about uh, nutrition um, with your combined time of 349, uh, Michael and David, do you, and what, what were you wearing out there for Deidre? Were you switching shoes out or what was your, your go-to race day shoe? I had Sacconi um, winter trail shoes for Antarctica. And then all the other days I had my same pair of Vaporflies. I brought a third pair of shoes thinking that my feet were going to swell, that I would have to upgrade my size, but that never became an issue. So it's just consistently between those two pairs. So do you think um, Michael and David with her combined time of 349, 
Would she have um, potentially gone under 330s combined time? Um, and if so, would it have been wearing a pair of hokas or a pair of ons? <laughs> Dude, definitely ons. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I mean, we're both paid to say whatever we're going to say, but, yeah. um, I mean, I, I think that, uh, she, she, you know, could have, you know, maybe had a better selection on the, uh, on the trail shoes for sure with Hoka. And then, uh, we, we definitely have some nice carbon that, that could have helped, uh, help those times, but. Uh, I think, you know, she, she made the choice that's best for her. I think everyone has the right shoe. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good brands out there. Um, so, you know, it, maybe next time she can, she can try, try some Hoka. Um, Deidre, How proud. <laughs> that was a very tactical answer there, but Deidre, have you kind of, um, written up maybe an, an invoice and kind of mail it to, uh, uh, Nike headquarters at this point? <laughs> I, I should look into that. Um, I appreciate some tips from the pros after this is over. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, from what I've heard, you, you'll have better luck with On or Hoka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just, just drop them a line, you know, just send them a rogue invoice. Be like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying to actually sure go down the Guinness Avenue. Oh, yeah. uh, th that's not a bad that's not a bad uh, strategy. Yeah, it's not a bad Guinness avenue to go down. It's yeah. a great slogan. <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned uh, sure. in Dubai the um, tossed out the the waffle or the hummus or whatever. Was there any kind of cool options uh, on course, or were you pretty much kind of self su supplying, and you would have just had access to I don't know, hitting a restaurant or something like that afterward that would have been uh, uh, in that uh, in that place. Yeah, I mean, a yeah, lot each of race usually have. Okay. Yeah, each each race course um, usually had yeah select snacks, but for the most part, I think most people were bringing out a lot of the stuff that they had on hand. Um, so you could have your own like curated gels and things like that. But every now and then, you know, it's like fun to grab a, grab a handful of gummy worms, you know, why not? Yeah. Or I don't know if they did it when you guys were, you guys went to Perth, right? You ran with that run club. If they had like the barbecue for you or no. No, we showed up a bit late, but they barbecued afterwards, like made like bacon, egg and cheese. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are cool. Yeah. So like you, you do get that. And like the one in Perth, like there was ladies that were at the far end of the course that had like cool signs, like kangaroos are like 2k ahead or like Perth is the sunniest part of Australia or something like that. So it was nice to have like some of the local flavor in the various, various cities also. Did you feel cheated if you didn't didn't get to see a kangaroo in Australia? Like, could you ask for some of your money back? <laughs> I was actually getting attacked like 13 miles in on one of the courses. Deidre jumped on its back. It was crazy, dude. You got to see the footage. <laughs> it's in the bloopers. <laughs> I protected you. Yeah. <laughs> so how about Antarctica? So talk a bit about the some of the conditions there. And then how was that in terms of I guess, was it also like a two mile out and back, like 
format or how was gear and how was uh, fueling? You guys can go. Yeah. Yeah. So the course was meant to be out around the airstrip as it probably was your year, Mike, but uh, there was a storm coming in. So we actually left for Antarctica a day earlier, trying to hit that window before it fully descended. And then when we got there, the conditions were so bad, they didn't want the participants spread out among the course too much. So we did an out and back. It was 1.3 miles out and then back and did that 10 times. And the wind, like, I, I personally never experienced anything like it. It was negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit with wind chill factor and going one way felt nice. The wind was at your back, but the second, the way back, you just felt like you were trying to run and not really going anywhere. So like our wheelchair participants were like being pushed off course. It was a really technical course considering the elements. Yeah, was it on the runway? So it was like the ice? Yeah, it was like right up against the flags, like on the ice. Um, the runway was like to the the right of us, like going out. We were kind of like in between the like to the side of the runway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's unfortunate. At least like maybe like the one time I did it, there was like a dip at the far end of the course, and it was like down, and then you had to go up, and it was like not very big, but it was like maybe three percent grade, and it just sucked in the wind, like you're saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was bad. Dude, I bet it was crazy because, like, some of the spots, too, where the, the wind – so the wind was, like, whipping, and, like, I was blowing the snow, and it was, yeah. just, like, pure, like, blue ice. I mean, it was gorgeous, yeah. like, to, to look at, but, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> – It like, was not fun to run on, dude. Ice. Yeah, no, you have to run on, like, the tacky stuff, but then the more people that run on it, the slippier it gets, and, like, um, yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, – this is part of the deal. It sucks, though, sometimes. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, I think I think we got gaslit a little bit too. I'm not gonna lie. There was there was rumors before that like we think this is gonna be the best year ever. Like you're gonna yeah. Sure, it's like all this stuff. And dude, I swear, like everybody gets off the plane like in like substantial winter gear, and I think everyone's like looking at each other, being like, "Oh my god, we have to put on everything we have." And I'm like, yes, "This is horrible. Like this is so bad." Dude, I brought like two. I was wearing two pair of tights at the time. And I had, I brought like some like boutique pants that I was going to wear afterwards, like dress pants that are kind of like Carhartt material that yeah. I like had to wear for like 18 miles. <laughs> I was like, dude, there's no way I'm like freezing out here. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, the one year it was actually the second time I did it, it was so hot. I took my pants off at like six miles because it was like, it was colder in DC than it was in Antarctica, which oh sounds like awesome. But then it was like melty snow. So like mm. you were running through like slush. Well, wow. uh, yeah, it was super slow. That was like the second time I did it. It was so slow because it was like crap weather, like too hot. So, so wild, man. yeah, I know. It's really cool though. It's like, that was still one of my favorite runs ever is like the shafts of like light there are so pretty. Cause there's like nothing to just get in the way. And like the, yeah and you're at altitude a little bit i don't know if you guys noticed that but like you're at like two or three thousand feet did yeah i did not know that yeah yeah it was it was incredible overall and i think everybody uh did like on the plane afterwards we were like definitely in the moment everyone was like a little shook we we're like 
we don't know about this. But I think afterwards, <laughs> we're like, everyone was just like so amped up. We're like, yeah, that was like kind of like a true experience. Like, we can't believe we all just did this. So everyone really, really rallied around it. Um, and I feel like had a, yeah, incredible, like tremendous like, spirit afterwards. But I also remember like right before we went out, it was like so funny. One of our other uh, uh, teammates or participants on the, on the crew um, like went out to the bathroom, like across the thing that was like 0.1 away. And he came back. It was Karan. <laughs> it was like one of the funniest things. He comes back and right before we leave. And dude, he looked like he went through like the craziest blizzard ever. He's like frozen. Like he's like, oh my God. He's like, I was outside for 0.1. <laughs> Boy, and everyone's like, oh my God, this is going to be so bad. Yeah. 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 Well, but as far as like Ian, like as far as like practicality, like how do you like fuel for it? Um, it's not as bad as the North Pole because it's not as cold normally. Like it sounds like David and Deidre got a little bit, <laughs> well, a little bit. Hang on. Let's, let's qualify what you're talking about here. Like <laughs> you just put the bar at the North Pole. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. But the North Pole is like, like super duper cold. Like Antarctica is like, like there's a big difference between negative 20 and negative 40. Like there is, it's like a massive gap. Uh, but like, you basically keep the gels close to your body uh, or whatever you're fueling with. And uh, that way you can squeeze them into your mouth. But like at the North Pole, you have to wear like a balaclava like the whole time or else your face gets like ripped up. So like, so then you have to like try to stick it in under the balaclava. Uh, and I use like this thing called the cold Avenger. Um, but like, I didn't even need that in Antarctica. I was just running. I, I it looked like you guys were too. Like you didn't need like a balaclava, right? Or did you use one? I used one for, for a little bit. Um, uh, but then yeah, probably like a couple laps in, I took it down and just like froze. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Pretty good. I also have the beard, but I don't know if that, that, helped, that matters at all. No, the beard helps a lot, dude. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Deidre, did you feel like you were at an evolutionary disadvantage in not having a mustache <laughs> beard? I tried running with a balaclava, but my glasses kept steaming up. So mm. like, I prefer yeah. to have a cold face. But between the windburn in Antarctica and like the sunburn in Cape Town the next day, there was just no winning. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think in that, I think I've heard that maybe you had them, but I think the ski goggles are the way to go because they'll vent, whereas the glasses will just fog. Next time, yes. ski goggles still fog, dude. Ski goggles will fog if if you have the the thing on your mouth or like a like a buff or something. It'll still fog. All right, scratch that. That's right, that was that experience. was a terrible idea. I don't even know who mentioned that. I, I won't listen to them again. Yeah. All right, and then so going and so how about like um, all right, you're like halfway through and you're like I kind of need to use the bathroom, but I actually. I, I may actually die. Like if I actually stop and I just need to use the bathroom or like I saw that guy that you just mentioned ahead and he just came back from the bathroom. He looked like he was at a war zone. Like, do you, does that, is that a good distraction where you could spend like three miles just like thinking about using the bathroom, but not having the courage to. Um, I can speak to that because I was torn trying to make that same decision. I was like, <laughs> do I hold it and hope for the best or do I make the, the bathroom wasn't on the course it was probably like 0.1 miles away do I make the trek out to it and I climb the snow to get there but they had one rule that they really kept reiterating and it was like no human waste on the island on the yeah. continent so I was like whatever waste is brought 
on the island is taken back. Like they empty all the toilets back wherever they fly into, whether it's South Africa or a different country. So I didn't want to risk anything. And I'm like, let's not cause any trouble. Make sure to use the bathroom. And it was nice and sheltered for the two minutes I was in there. It's hard to leave. Yeah, it's funny though. Like, did you did? It's a styrofoam seat. I don't know if it still is, so that your cheeks don't don't stick to it. So like, I oh, that's so smart. I was just so panicked. I didn't think it really yeah anything besides getting in and getting out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like a plastic or anything. It's usually it's styrofoam. I, at least the times I've been, I don't know if it still is. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Dude, yeah, and then fuel as uh, Deidre or uh, as Mike. So I just did. I just like plowed through the whole time. I was like, I just got to get out of this as fast as possible. I didn't stop for food, bathroom. I was like, I got to get back inside. And then for uh, fueling, any other gear stuff? Do you just have like an insulated bladder, or were you able to just keep it close enough to your body, and it wasn't really a uh, a thing. Uh, no, they had like a little aid station you could stop at. I don't know if they had it for these guys, but they, they had like a little tent you could go in and get some some food or water or Coke or something. Uh, for us, because the weather conditions were so bad, the aid station was also a good bit off the course. Um, the best advice I had gotten was from a previous participant who said on the plane, put boiling water into your Camelback, like powdered Gatorade. Um, and then if you keep sucking through the insulated pipe, whatever you call it, they'll stay warm throughout the run. And like that got me through. Yeah. It's good. It wasn't like, yeah, the, like kind of what I just said about ski masks. Like this is what somebody just told me. And I, so I had boiling water in here and actually I just took a sip and actually my, my mouth is now, it's now safe. <laughs> and I, and I, yeah. I can't eat anything for next week. That was a great <laughs> idea. Thanks. That was awesome. <laughs> I got a burn on Antarctica. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> or the bladder. It actually, it wasn't built to take boiling water. And it actually, I think it, the, the rubber just melted. And I'm, I'm standing here talking to you, but right now I actually have boiling water. That's actually just kind of coming right down my, my butt actually. And it feels really awkward. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's like a healthcare provider. <laughs> yeah. That's, that. that's like one of the tricks too, is like, you want to run hard, but not so hard that you start to really sweat. So like, cause if you start to really sweat, then that's where you can get like hypothermia and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of like a tricky little balance between like running hard, but not that hard. All right. And then you arrive the next day into a blast furnace. Is that kind of how it felt? Yeah. Yeah. It was a warm up for Perth. Perth was definitely the warmest at 95 degrees. I think uh, Cape Town was high seventies, but we started at 10 AM. So depending what your time was, you were out in the, the worst of the afternoon. So to do again, what do you think is a better deal? Mike getting um, kind of bikini weather uh, to celebrate in Antarctica with Ryan Hall, or you guys getting the kind of wussy nighttime temperatures in Dubai? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question, man. I mean, yeah. I would rather run in the cold like like the the footing became super bad but that was in 2019 2017 we got weather like they did so we got like really really bad weather but it was only for like the last like well for me it was like the last hour and a half or something but then everyone else got slammed pretty bad and i think we got like 
Antarctica weather. Like I yeah. left there saying I ran a marathon on Antarctica and I will always be able to claim that because I wasn't yeah. wearing t-shirts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Do you I did, think I'm, that I'm Mike... definitely more on the, the warm game as well. I think I'd rather, or different, I'd rather probably run the, the warmth a little bit than the, the blistering cold. Like Antarctica was definitely one of my most memorable experience in, in marathon running, but also I'm like, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good <laughs> <laughs> like I would go back for like an expedition or something, but I don't know. If yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely would like to go again. I think we're actually thinking about taking the kids next uh, December. So uh, that'll be their seventh continent. So it'll be, it'll be cool to get to kind of share that experience with them. Do you, will you see if they can actually run a marathon while they're there <laughs> to earn the trip? <laughs> Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah, maybe we maybe we could find some way to make that happen. I think uh, Pierce could probably do that. I think Grant would uh, tell me to, you know, go away. <laughs> and have you been selling it in terms of like um, kids? Like we get to go to Antarctica because you probably haven't gotten to use a styrofoam toilet seat before. Uh, that was for sure the big selling uh, for my wife. Like she was all about that. She's she's definitely uh, very rugged. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And how about a um, so Devang, uh, if you're still with us, thanks for uh, still being with us. But he had mentioned um, as we were starting, which one was everyone's favorite race and least favorite out of the mar seven marathons? Ooh. I would say Cape Town was my least favorite because I just got like, I don't know why I got absolutely like roasted there. It was probably like the, the, the biggest like struggle marathon for me. Um, and, and also I probably like, it wasn't as, as exciting because we already got to spend some days there. So I was kind of like, Oh, we're here. We're coming back. You know, I guess we live here now. We went on a trip to, Antarctica, <laughs> we're coming back to Cape Town. Um, and then my most favorite, even though it's, uh, I don't know if it's a, uh, lame or not uh, but i think uh besides antarctica which i feel like is just like i don't know lifetime type of experience um was was florida um i think the energy was just like so high there in miami like everybody's like friends and families like flew in and we we ended up showing up late um and it was just like packed out especially when we started so it was just like insanely insanely excited and also it was just kind of like really fun to to end there um just being from florida and have like a lot of friends and family come through so it was yeah it was awesome do you think that it was actually insanely inciting or do you think it's because you were consuming so much red bull that things were just kind of blurry at that point <laughs> dude dude always i was like i was at least like 45 red bulls deep at that point so <laughs> that's good and then did it did it make you think that Man, like I, I was born in Florida and I just went to like six other continents and I just ended in Miami and like this was the best marathon. And like that was just kind of a waste of time. I, I could have just stayed in Miami. 100%. Man. Yeah, I was like, I should just like went on a, a week trip down to Miami. Like, what am I doing? Uh, no, nah, man, I, it was it was just like a great way to, to cap it all in. Um, and and I, I like the course. It was it was also a little bit like shorter uh, of the loops. But it was still like short enough. Uh, I think what did we do five loops out there? Um, yeah. That you still got to see like everybody and um, the vibes are still so high. It was it was great, and we also had like I feel like pretty nice weather in Miami as well. 
I think uh, Dubai and Miami, we got probably like the nicest weather of the whole trip and everywhere else is kind of like a little stingy. Deidre, what about you? Which one did you like? I really liked Perth. Um, I think going into it, I was petrified. It was 95 degrees. But once the sun set, it went down to 81. It was a short out and back, and it was great to see everyone. I think I prefer the out and backs and the loops because you just get more face time. You get to smile and you get to wave. Um, and it was just like a, a nice course, great temperature. I really disliked Madrid. And I think it's because it was 32 loops, so much incline. Like when I looked at my elevation gain on Strava afterwards, it was greater than 1600 feet and the surfaces weren't even, so people were falling. It was unusually warm in Madrid for February. It was like in the 60s, David, like the sun was out. We were expecting weather in the 40s, like people had gloves going out. I'm like, we need to de-layer, like we are way too overdressed. So that was kind of like my low point, especially with the incline. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. And that's a bummer too, right? I mean, I guess it, it just is what it is, but you go to this amazing location with so much like rich history and you're like, dude, Madrid, Madrid sucked actually. Yeah. You're like, get, I hate my life. I think when you hit the wall, <laughs> it's very hard to talk yourself out of it. Right. You're just, not enjoying it and you're trying to reason with yourself and be like this is so cool i'm on day four i'm in europe i'm running in this small beautiful town outside of madrid but there's just some days that running is not working for you and you just need the race to be over and when you'd see a course like madrid for like 32 loops michael are you like wow that's a really great course it makes me want to do a last person standing uh event on that course <laughs> Yeah, that's actually massive compared to the one I the the ones I've done. So yeah, I, I'd definitely take that thirty two laps. Yeah, that's easy. All right, how about for you, Michael? A uh, a favorite, and then one that was maybe not your favorite. Yeah, I mean, I'd say for me, like having done it a couple of times, like Antarctica is always my favorite, just because I think that it's so unique, and I think these guys are probably. Uh, echoed that a little bit but it's like you know that you shouldn't really be there it feels so surreal like the only reason that you're alive is because there's people there that can help you stay alive like it's it's very um it feels very adventurous um and it it it's super unique um and then I will 100% uh, agree with David. Like, I'm Team America, man. Uh, like, uh, Florida was amazing, like, to finish in Florida. And both times I ran, I think the fastest I ever ran both times was in Florida. Like, I love the community there. People in Florida are awesome. Um, everyone's – if you're from the U.S., like, a lot of people that are on the race aren't from the U.S. But if you're from the U.S., like, it's a pretty easy place for people to get to so they can come and – watch you finish or uh the time before like it was like the third race for me so like they were there to kind of like pump me up for the rest of the run and so uh i think finishing there is awesome and south beach at night is just fun great commute home too for us <laughs> yeah it's, it's easy for us yeah <laughs> You're walking out with everybody. Everyone's already out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I thought was funny was like David did basically what I did when I did it uh, the first time was he flew right to like 
New Zealand afterwards. And I like did the same thing. I went down to Awara right afterwards. My wife's like, oh my God, you and David did the same trip basically. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's crazy. But I was happy to see that too. And then any uh, non-favorites or was it like uh, they just kind of all blended? Uh, I mean, I, I got actually some food poisoning um, when I did it. And um, so I had to run the race like puking in chili. Um, and that sucked. Like I would just drink the water. No, man, I was super careful. It was super annoying. Like, and I don't really, I'm vegetarian. So I like, I very, even more limited as to what I eat. And I just got sick. Um, and that's the other thing these guys didn't mention, but the whole time you're like, trying not to get sick. Like everybody on the plane's trying not to get sick. Cause like if one person gets sick, you know, the chances of everyone getting sick are, are, you know, much, much more exacerbated. So like, um, yeah, I just, I just had a really rough race and just had to keep stopping and like throwing up and just <clears throat> didn't feel good. So like, yeah, that, that, that was nothing to do with the, the course or anything like that. It was more to do with just not feeling good. And so on that note, and then maybe we'll switch it to, uh, the, um, opposite here. <clears throat> so talking about that struggle bus, was there a uh, specific point in these seven days where the struggle bus was most visceral, visceral? For me or everybody? Any that was like, man, like at this point, like this was just like the low and then something that kind of pulled you back out or you whatever. You're just like, this is the low, but I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and you just kind of move out of it. Ladies first. Uh, I hit my low in Madrid and that was day four. Right. No, that was day five. <laughs> there we go, day five. And I was very worried from like, how do I rebound from this? But Richard, the race director had said from day one, he was like, you're all more than likely gonna hit a low day. That does not mean the rest of the trip is ruined. You will bounce back. So I just hope that was the case. And in Brazil, I kind of got it together and was fine and similar to what Mike and David said by the time we got to Miami, it was just so great to be home to be in your home ground and with your friends and family that you are able to get a second and third win to keep going. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, besides like puking my brains out the one day, like that was for me the worst day, but I was like, I still know I, I have a good shot. <laughs> like I was like, I, if I, even if I don't feel good, I, I'm still going to be able to run fast. Um, so I was just like, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. And then it was similar to what these guys had said. You just, you just want that marathon to be over. Um, but luckily I had a lot of experience. Like I've messed up before and, and made mistakes that have caused me to throw up, uh, and still run a, you know, a good time in the race. So I knew as long as I keep eating and drinking and like, you know, doing whatever I need to do to get through it, that I'll be fine. And um you know hopefully it's not going to last too long and it was similar to what richard had the advice richard had given to everybody is like you'll bounce back and i knew i probably would but until you do you get super nervous because you're like oh man if if, if i have this the rest of the time it's going to really suck um but i you know it was it was a temporary thing and i got through it and made it out the other end 
Yeah, man. I mean, I think I think Richard's advice overall at the beginning, it's just like such a great framework that he lays. He's just mm -hmm. like, hey, like basically everything's out of everyone's control. Like, let's go on this like crazy <laughs> journey together and yeah, be very flexible, whether it's with like trip timing, weather, um, like random elements that might come up. It's uh, yeah, I think his advice across the board was yeah, very spot on. And I think everyone was like rallying around it the, the whole time. Uh, my my hardest one probably was Cape Town uh, again. I was like so amped up after Antarctica to just like kind of like actually I would say like, you know, get the gears going and be like, okay, like we can like light this one up, open up the stride a little bit and get going. Um, so I went out like I feel like a little bit like sharper the first like three or four miles. Um, and dude, I was just getting like fried by the sun. I don't, I don't know what was going on, but I came through like a loop or the, through the second loop and I was like, dear God, I was like, I've got to like hold on. I was like, I'm just on a ride right now. I was like, I need to like cool myself down and throw some electrolytes in me and just like kind of like hold on and really like rally myself maybe further on. But that was just not my day. Um, but afterwards too, you could just like see everybody. I think it must be like something with a UV or something uh, or being so close to, to Antarctica because um, I think there's like more of like a hole, hole in like the, the ozone or whatever. Um and, but everybody like wearing KT tape and stuff were just like burnt to a crisp. Everyone had like the outlines for the rest of the trip from Cape Town. But yeah, we got, we got fried out there, but that was probably my, my low point. And I just kind of had to, I feel like settle in and be like, okay, yeah, tomorrow's, tomorrow's a new day. I, we still have five to go and um, really want to try to rally myself, especially in the heat was a little bit intimidating kind of coming into Australia as well. Cause they were like, oh, it's 95, 96 degrees, which was even hotter than Cape Town. And I was like, yikes i was like i just got like burnt up to a crisp down there um but yeah so <clears throat> could it be accurate that when deidre passed you on that loop format in cape town that she actually accurately heard you mumbling out loud something to the effect of jesus take the wheel so that's spot on it's <laughs> good all right and then how about the uh the reverse any moments that will just be etched forever in your brain of just a wicked visceral like wow like i'm at this like different place looking at something very specific that's just like wow like life is good this is an incredible spot to be like in this moment I felt that way in Dubai as the skyline lit up and it got even cooler. The temperature was so nice. As we mentioned, we got so lucky. We were on a rubber track on the boardwalk along the beach. That was very forgiving on the knees. I was just like, this is amazing. This is everything I wanted and expected it to be enjoying riding out that runner's high. Yeah, Dubai had to be, it, it might have been the same for me as well. Like, uh, it was definitely like a very special moment. Um, I feel like just being above, like below the, the skyline in Dubai. And then even when, yeah, like the prayer music and stuff kind of like going off was like really beautiful and just kind of like really felt like, it was just like, wow, like, I can't believe like this is where we're at right now. I feel like it really like sunk in to like a piece of culture as well to be like, wow, we're we're not just like on a beautiful beach boardwalk. Um, we're like in this like culture right now um, doing their thing. So it was, I feel like that was a really cool special moment. I just sent you a picture, but uh, this, this moment for me, you're not going to be able to see it really, but 
Uh, it's uh, in Antarctica. And it's like that moment I was talking about where the sun's like coming through the clouds. And it was like, I just dropped Ryan Hall and I was all by myself. And it looked like I was just running out there in the middle of uh, this ring of mountains. And I was just gliding through the world. And I was like, I can't believe I'm here in this moment right now. And I can't believe I get to do this. And I was just so grateful to be there and excited and like charged up. And I was like, man. And it was also the first time I'd been to Antarctica. So I was like, oh, my God, my life dream has just come true. Uh, like, how can this get any better? Uh, and then the right as I said that, like, there was like these three shafts of light broke through the clouds and just lit up the area in front of me. And I was like, oh my God, come on. Like, seriously, <laughs> like this is insanity. Uh, and I was like, well, you, you did it, man. It, it's even better. Like it's even better than it was. Yeah. So like for me, that was definitely one of the best moments of my life. And it's like seared in my mind. And I, I actually just emailed that to you, Ian, so that you have it in case you want to post it or whatever. But like, yeah, that for me was like one of the most incredible moments of my life. And so I would hope, and I could probably by the time I, um, I could pull it up here and share the screen by the time I did that, it would probably take like a couple minutes and we just lose a window. It's like, dude, come on. Um, yeah. But so I guess the hope would be that um, maybe your, your kids uh, and uh, wife will get to experience kind of a, a moment like that. I hope so, man. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what I would be hoping that happens. And also, I wouldn't mind seeing some of the wildlife. Like, we didn't get to see any wildlife when we were in Antarctica. So I'd like to see the penguins and, like, some of the other stuff that you can see when you're in Antarctica. Like, when, when we're going to Antarctica, you're not seeing anything except white and mountains, maybe. So do you think that because Manitoba is a really expensive – I mean, um, Antarctica is a really uh, expensive place uh, to go – uh, that Richard just thought, well, I mean, um, it's looking like we'd just be good if we can get him to a temperature of like 25 degrees, which you hit. And that instead, maybe we can just go to Utah because they don't really know what they're not paying attention. To anyway. <laughs> and, and we're just going to sit down here and Hey guys, like you're, you're in Antarctica now and we're, we're good. That, I think there might be more snow there. right now in the in in like Salt Lake and those places from the looks of it from pictures I've seen from friends. And do you think that it's also possible that that after you dropped Ryan Hall in that moment uh, or in that moment over the next couple of miles where he's like, I what I can't Wardian's like a 217 guy like I used to be one of the best marathoners on the planet that maybe I should just get into weightlifting from here. Dude, he was already into lifting like he was like. He went in after we, dude, he was so, he's so amazing, dude. He went in after every marathon and would like hit like a two hour gym session. And in Antarctica, he like went in the, the camp we were at and was like lifting the milk crates. He was like, grr, grr. <laughs> dude, he's so badass. Yeah. I love that dude. It's awesome. What he's been able to do to him, like change the way that he's like applied his amazing uh, physical and mental powers like it's just so cool to see he and i was <clears throat> seeing if he potentially would want to come out and be a guest for the one of the races that i put on the ithaca half marathon it was a bit after he had retired as well around that time and he and i were texting a little bit and i think it was before there was mention of like him getting into lifting and he had just commented on this text and he was like starting to get into lifting and he's like feel better 
felt better than like he ever like had or in a really long time. But I was still just like, I don't know. You're Ryan Hall. Like, All right, whatever. That's cool that you're like you're lifting or whatever. And then there's just like this picture that comes up in this like interview. And it's like, wow, like he just totally changed like his body type or shape. And he's just like, he's going beast mode. And it was just a really just eye opening. Wow. That's kind of weird, but kind of cool. Dude. Yeah. It's so inspiring, man. Like I, uh, oh man, I, I think it's so badass. Anything else that would be um, fun or any stories or takeaways that you guys can remember that was just like a really fun or kind of funny experience that would be fun to share from like the seven days? I think everyone's sleeping arrangements on the Airbus that we had. <laughs> it wasn't all first class seats. So we rotated between first class and economy and premium economy. But the first day when we met Richard, he was like, we have all your shirts, we have your bibs, and we have these inflatable mattresses. I was like, is he kidding us? Like, what are we going to do with these inflatable mattresses? But people in economy, they would get the middle aisle because it was a 300-seater Airbus, blow up the air mattresses and put them on the ground between the rows, and that's where they slept. Hmm. Wow. Was it? That's a different plane than we had. Yeah, it was luxurious, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was an old enough Airbus. Like there was probably, let's say, twenty seats, David, in first class. Yeah, something like that. Premium economy, you did not want to be there because the seats didn't recline. At least first class, it was lie flat. Like if you weren't business, you wanted to be in economy so you could blow up your air mattress and sleep on the ground. Yeah. yeah, that one night where we slept in premium economy, like in between like the, those like gaps, it was like <laughs> as wide as my chest and like the heater was like pushed up against me. I thought I was going to have like melt marks through my clothes in the morning. Like, <laughs> that So that flight was the moment I realized how badass and how cool David Kilgore is. He is just there, his blow up mattress. You couldn't even lie flat in premium economy because there were the footrests. He's on his side and everyone's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm great. Isn't this awesome, guys? <laughs> Going with the flow. Dude, throw back lifestyle for me. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's 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 fun to see how like ours were like not quite live flat. So they were just at like this little awkward angle. So it was very interesting to like try to try to sleep, but I didn't sleep a lot either time. It's fun yeah i think one other time when we first all got i think it was right it was yeah it's when we first got on the the chartered plane going to from cape town to australia we all got on or like sitting down um and i think like one person pulled out like a massage gun and then like another person pulled out a (laughs) massage gun and they were like everybody has a massage gun and one guy was like holding all of them and there was like a thousand hands like around him like massaging (laughs) teamwork (laughs) Teamwork. Is there a photo of that somewhere? That would be a good keeper photo from the experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll have to send that to you. Nice. And then, Wardian, any other uh, any fun things uh, to kind of close out that off the top of your head that was that like that was kind of fun? Um, I'm trying to think of one thing like at the when we were in Chile, they <laughs> they bought us like. 35 pizzas from this place but they were all just like stacked up as high as you could see them but no one knew where they were so like everyone was trying to find these pizzas so like it was this 
like uh, roundabout uh, adventure to try to find where the food was. But I feel like sometimes that happened. Um, I don't have anything as good as the massage gun. Right, right on. Um, <clears throat> well, we're pushing into an hour and a half here. And often these episodes will, um, for better or worse, uh, kind of go Rogan style and, and push like two and a half, three hours. But at the moment, be an hour and a half in, in the moment, David, I may um, uh, pivot into just having you on as a, another guest rather than taking you into like another hour into like endurance territory. Um, so I may wrap then the, uh, the session there unless you guys have anything else or if anybody's still listening out there, if any other closing comments or questions, feel free to plug them. Um, and so what else do you guys have coming up uh, this year? Wardian, I know you have uh, Hard Rock on deck as a kind of focal, at least formal event. Yeah, that's the that's one of the big ones. And Comrades also. Um, hmm. So those will be two of the bigger ones. And then um, I'm trying to get ready to do the Appalachian Trail next year. Um, so I want to do some um, reccees on the AT this year. And then get some marathons and I've got, um, you know, some did I already knocked off some of my year long goals. Like I just benched 150, So not quite Ryan hall territory, but, um, that was really exciting for me. And then I did a 50 K row. So also I want to row across the Atlantic. So I'm trying to build up my, uh, rowing muscles. Um, and then actually I might be doing something with David. Like I've been talking to Red Bull about doing something for wings for life. So, um, you know, that's May 7th, I think. So it's coming up here pretty soon. Um, so yeah, I, I've got a, a kind of a fun idea about doing an FKT for that. I'm not gonna lie to you. When you just put your arms up a second ago, you can, Oh, actually, you saw my muscles. You're, you're actually oh. getting, you have it. Yeah. 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 No, it's, there was, it's um, nice, man. I sacrificed them all to the uh, the running gods last summer, so it's nice to have them back. Like, I I, I lost all my little little CrossFit muscles. <laughs> there was one of the kind of uh, epic adventurers that I followed for a bit uh, was Yoren Krop. I'm probably pronouncing his uh, name wrong, hmm. but he was somebody that one of his adventures. Uh, uh, that would be a whole separate tangent, but like. <laughs> He was just like this amazing individual. He had during that, uh, I think the Everest tragedy that was like into thin air. I think it was that he was there at the time as well. And I think oh. I may be merging trips, but I think he had ridden his bike from maybe he was like Norwegian or Swedish or something like that. I think he had ridden his bike over there and then he had summited Everest with like no oxygen. And then he was oh. going to come back down and like ride his bike back to like Norway or something like that. And, and he was either that trip or another trip where like the claim was it was all self-supported and it was something like his family joined him for one leg of the train trip somewhere and like gave him some chocolate. And so like the people like in his country, like flagged him as like, it wasn't like self-supported because he got like support along the way. And it ended up, I think, again, I may be merging stories, but it ends up in this lawsuit and he ends up basically like leaving his like country of origin or whatever. And he, I think he had moved to Seattle and he was supposed to do this, um, this um this speaking engagement i think it like an rei or something like that when i was living there <clears throat> and i was really excited and had it on my radar and then unfortunately he died in this random climbing accident where like a carabiner failed and he just like fell to his like death or whatever this totally like random thing 
But I, it just it, one of his next adventures that he was going to try to train for was he was going to try to I, I don't think it was row, but I think he was going to sail solo across like, I don't know, like some vast body. Oh, I think he was going to sail it like Antarctica or something like that. And then he was going to like self-supported oh, missions like do like the last 40 or something like where you go something. to like, the and then he was like sail back or whatever and at the time he had like no sailing experience and i guess it <laughs> it made for this funny story because he was trying to learn on this like little sunfish or something like that and like his first couple days out he like went out and like he, he didn't know how to sail and he got like pushed back and like beached on this shore <laughs> and it was like here's this guy he's got this plan that's like, me rowing to... <laughs> that's me <laughs> yeah. That's good. Pretty much, you've just summed up my rowing experience. So, <laughs> well, I'm quite good you, on the rowing be... machine, like a little hummingbird. Like, but I actually rowed with some real guys who know how to row, and I was doing like 32 strokes a minute. They're doing like 19 and like whooping my ass. They're like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's so well, fun though. That is, I'm gonna look forward to hearing about that. Kilgore and uh, Deidre, you guys have any other? Kilgore, I know you do, man. You're all over the place. Each, I don't know you well enough to know what uh, adventures you guys uh, each have on deck. I have uh, Boston coming up in April, mm-hmm. and then I'm doing the Bryce Canyon 50 miler in Utah. Um, I have Iger, which I'm really excited about, UTMB of Switzerland in July, and Chicago in October. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's, That's a, a cool year. year ahead. That's a nice year. <laughs> need to get my legs back in shape after WMC, but I'm getting there. Yeah. On my end, dude, this is a, uh, it's official dude. I'm out. I'm out of the running game. So now I'm, <laughs> sitting, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you retire on the show. What a great way to go. <laughs> uh, no, man, I got uh next one up. Uh, I'm doing, uh, an OSR race, so Orchard Street Runners race, like here locally in the city, it's like a 30 mile, uh, and that's late March, uh, which would be a fun one. Um, and then going out to MDS, uh, so Marathon Saab, um, in late April, take on that challenge. Um, might I, I don't know if I don't know if I could swing it, dude. I know breakneck is like right after that. Uh, I was like thinking thinking about trying to throw my hat in the ring there, but um, I ha- also have wings for life the the following day, so I was like, this might be really really tight. Um, I think. <laughs> and then after that, yeah. <laughs> and then after that, just kind of uh, yeah, rolling through the summer, I'll probably hit some uh, Golden Trail series stuff. Um, I think I'll crew at Western States, um, and then going into uh, I'll do UTMB um, in late August. And uh, then New York City Marathon, probably beginning of November. And the full plate at UTMB? Yeah. Yes, sir. Nice. I think it's like the 20th anniversary I saw just today or something. Yeah, I think so. It's something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ice Empress, thanks for being on with us as well. Thanks, great stories and amazing accomplishments. Love Wardian's retelling when he thought he couldn't get any better than that, and it did. And good luck with the uh, upcoming endeavors. Um, Thank you, Sayer Tanis. Uh, she thanks so she much. She's a coach. She is a coach out of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Ice Empress uh, Coaching. Uh, Sayer Tanis, check her out. Uh, mountain runner as well. Um, so to the three of you, uh, thank you so much for taking some of your time tonight. Congrats on for Deidre and David on the adventure this year. 
uh, Michael and your wins in the past. And you all have some pretty awesome things on deck this year. So uh, maybe we can reconnect. And Deidre, I'll be out of Boston as well. So I know that I'll, I can't imagine we would cross paths, but uh, in in all of it, but never know. We will. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to be there also. So I'm just trying to get a bib right now. <laughs> so well, I, I'm probably going to end up pacing. You can maybe just take mine and then that's fine. And then we'll, we'll, we'll call it good with my time being maybe. <laughs> I think that gets us disqualified for like life or something. I think I, <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. I can grow a beard though. We'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, all right. Well, thank you all very much. Um, and I look forward to connecting with you all uh, another time. All right. Thanks, cool, guys. Thanks everyone. Great right. Bye guys. All right. All right. So thanks all. Again, I was going to go a little bit longer with uh, Kilgore tonight, uh, but I will have fun on another dedicated session where I can go uh, longer with him in dedicated fashion. He does a lot of things in the trail ultra uh, in organizing space. So it'd be fun to go long. Uh, for all those who joined us uh, in person, all or not in person live. And for those after, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm not sure what next episode is going to bring next week. Um, I am headed to uh, headed for Seattle and Whistler uh, the end of this week and this weekend. Hopefully that'll be a really good trip um, and I'll figure it out at, uh, as I'm traveling. All right. So until then, uh, see ya. <laughs>